On today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to transform your customer returns process into an actual profit engine through retention marketing. You don't want to miss this one. Do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. And- Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and, and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hi guys, it's Kune Campbell and welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. Before you listen to my interview with Joe from Loop Returns, I just wanted to give you a summary of what this episode is all about. Basically, Loop Returns is a platform that has rethought the returns process and automates some parts of the returns process to free up your customer service. You know, the time your customer service um spend on um, otherwise manual exchange processes. So the gist of this podcast really is, or this episode really is that um, when a customer wants to return a a product, um, not necessarily for a severe issue, which is maybe, um, so if they wanted to return something that um, was not their size or not the right color and they required an exchange, it automates that exchange process and um, thereby saves you you know, lost revenue, essentially. So Joe really gives some um, return, you know, metrics you have to know um, about. And um, he also talks about um, where, you know, metrics and benchmarks, you should compare your direct-to-consumer e-commerce business against in the returns area and how to actually save you money and how to retain customers most especially. So these customers that return um, goods actually come back um, as customers. It's a really interesting conversation. Before I segue you into this um, interview, I would like you to listen to our sponsors, a message from our sponsors, which is Rewind and Clavio. Clavio, as you know, um, they're an email automation platform and um, Rewind is a backup platform and you're able to claim um, a 30-day trial if you head over to rewind.io and just mention 2x e-commerce. The commercials you're going to listen to next will give you more information. So do stay tuned and um, enjoy this episode. Cheers. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. 
Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth? Cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's the deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, then extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Remember to head over to rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. What do sophisticated direct-to-consumer brands like Colourpop, Hawkberry and Custom Inc. all have in common? Well, they rely on Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform that powers over 25,000 online businesses. Klaviyo is supported by a dedicated team of experts and it is a platform that processes and consumes more data than any other in the market. Klaviyo helps you own customer experience and grow high value customer relationships right from shoppers first impressions to each subsequent purchase Clavio will understand every single customer interaction and empowers brands to create more personalized marketing moments when you have a 360 view on customers the growth possibilities are endless Visit Clavio.com forward slash 2x to get Clavio's holiday planning guide. Remember, that is Clavio.com forward slash 2x. Hi, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2x e commerce podcast. And I'm your host, Kune Campbell. This is a podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. So if you're looking to grow traffic, conversions, sales, ultimately revenue in general, this is the right show. Now, 2Xs, a lot of you have been talking to me about retention, you know, marketing strategies. And a lot of the time, we've really looked into your messaging. So we've looked at email, we've looked at SMS. We haven't really looked at metrics, you know, what e-commerce retention metrics should you be looking at? I think the last time we talked about metrics about three years ago. And um, on today's show, I, I have with me someone who's really you know, into this stuff, who's in depth into retention metrics, who's, who's, who's into returns, you know, quite interestingly, and um, has studied retention metrics in order to build a platform, a returns platform on, on Shopify called Loop Returns. Now, Joe is the product marketing manager at Loop Returns, and Loop Returns basically are an app on Shopify that essentially help streamline returns so returns can help work as a retention channel. I'm not going to go too deep into what Loop Returns does. I'd first of all like to introduce Joe to the show. Welcome, Joe. 
Thanks, Kalei, for having me on. Happy to be here. Fantastic. Um, could you take a minute or or two to, to introduce yourself? Because I've probably not done you sufficient justice in, in, in introduction. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm with Loop. Um, Loop has been on Shopify for the last three and a half years. And um, we're a small team in the Midwest, in Columbus, Ohio. We were really fortunate to work with um, some key brands early on. Chubby's and Allbirds really have been our, our biggest advocates since the early days. And um, yeah, when I came into Loop, we had a small team of engineers. We had a CEO who was a friend of mine. And we were really just cutting our teeth on this return story. How does this fit into the bigger picture? I was fortunate enough to be called in by him one day. And I started just beating the pavement, talking to merchants, understanding what they need. What do returns look like today? What matters to you? Um, and we use that to start to build our roadmap. What are the things that we should be building in that doesn't make returns just simply a refunds platform? And a lot of the requests were the same. Um, I learned from a lot of brands that people are trying to unlock exchanges and they're trying to keep the relationship going. And um, the headline there was that a lot of brands saw a refund as a breakup. So that's been the most of my um, focus over the last three years, talking to brands, understanding what they need, where are they trying to use post-purchase and returns to drive retention and differentiate, and then, and then get it built into a product that serves them. Um, it's, been, it's been a fun ride. Uh, I like the statement, uh, a lot of people viewing returns as a breakup. It's, there's a lot to unpick from, from, from that in, in the sense that, you know, it raises a lot of questions, you know, why are they returning this item? You know, is it because, you know, we, they, you know, there's a product quality issue. Sure. Was there a customer experience issue? Um, what, what, what insights have, have you found us to, have you, looked into why, you know, returns are core. I know they're pretty obvious, but in, at an aggregated level, um, do, you, do you have any data on that? Well, so where we're getting here is return reasons. So why are things coming back? Mm-hmm. Um, the most important thing when looking at a return reason is to understand that every data point that you're getting doesn't mean they didn't love you as the brand. Um, you see a return reason, you're like, damn, we lost them. But that's, that's really not usually the case. Um, when you're looking at return reasons, you're really looking for the trends that aren't, you know, product was damaged or, um, you know, I, I received the wrong product. Those are all really important. You have to share those with the manufacturing team and your product designers. But typically someone designing a retention program is in operations and they're driving the bottom line or they're in customer experience and they're thinking of NPS. What you're looking for there are the alternatives to a refund. So what are the signals that you can get from this data that tell you that they wanted to keep going, but couldn't? Um, do I just have the wrong size? That's a really obvious one. But maybe they bought a product and, you know, the shirt appeared more dull than it did in the photography. It doesn't mean they want to break up with you and move on to the next guy. And now you're back reacquiring a new customer in their place on Instagram, right? You look for those reasons that are coming through and telling you, I wish I could keep going. And how can I? Um, and there are, there are a few, and, and it's usually around look, it's around feel, um, and sizing is huge. So the data points are tough to get, admittedly. Um, the biggest problem that merchants will run into early on, if they say, yes, I love this story, I want to invest in this, the problem you run into is having data that can be aggregated, that can be filtered and searched. Um, the inclination will be to just start with a comment box, potentially on like a packing slip or some sort of open comments that tell me why it's coming back. For any brand that's at scale or planning for scale, that becomes really difficult to actually pull any insights because I might write too big. I might write too large. I might write didn't fit. And they all meant the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Very, very interesting. 
I'd, I'd like us to to jump into the entire returns process, but before we, we do that, um, let's talk about retention, you know, a little bit. Um, you said you've worked with all birds, you know, choppies and, you know, other best in class direct to consumer, you know, businesses, you've actually helped them, you know, um, you know, find, um, you know, solutions in, in their return, um, in the return processes. But what do brands at, at that scale and level look at? What metrics are they looking at on a daily basis, on, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on an hour basis from, to, 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 to gauge the health of their, their, their retention? Well, so I think that any metrics that you want to look at, it's best to start with the basics and really dig deep. And I think that's, you know, there are so many metrics that everyone throws around and they all have pretty names, but um, the best ones take the basics and they dig really deep. They want to create depth of understanding around very simple ideas and then build tactics to reinforce it. So a very obvious one, a return rate. Um, Why are products coming back? So we've started digging into this and, you know, you pull reports and and what they're typically doing, and it'll vary from brand to brand, but regularly, usually I would recommend quarterly, if you were going to get started on this, you're going to aggregate all of your return reasons data. And the first thing you do is distribute it across departments. So it's not just something that the CX team is using. Um, Some of the other best and, and gosh, I I don't work with this brand, but we have met and I wish, I wish they would come to loop. Um, They're using this data to actually inform acquisition. And this is where the crossover happens with the best brands. There are retention metrics, sure. But as you dig into all of your retention metrics, what you find is that all of your tactics that would improve a retention metric actually improve acquisition. And that's where you have this flywheel. So an example, someone looking at return reasons data, you realize that you have a fit issue. You realize that the majority, sometimes 40% of all of your returns are coming back because they didn't fit. Good American took this data and they hired a photographer. Actually, I think with BVXL, an awesome agency on Shopify. They hired a photographer and they decided that to address their fit issue, they were going to bring down their return rate. They were going to photograph all of their best-selling products in three different sizes. So they'd have effectively a petite, an average, and, and maybe like a curvy size model representing their products. The goal ultimately is to bring down the return rate. But what you find is that when you have more confidence while you're shopping, when you can see yourself in your products, you're also driving acquisition. And so that's a really um, advanced way of using return reasons data to actually change how you're acquiring customers and also bring that metric down. Super, super interesting. So would you suggest categorizing um, return reasons? So, you know, actually puts in a, a field, a drop-down field, in your returns process to, you know, to to make sense of of it. Totally. Yeah. The easiest first step is to pre-populate your return reasons. Okay. Um, Leaving it open to an open comment. um, There's just too much variability. You need to have some structure. And and even if it's just didn't fit, didn't like it, damaged, um, that's a good start. It's better than an open comment box alone. Okay. so, so that, that, that way you, you can actually visualize you, 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 you could get a breakdown. Okay. So, so what other metrics should you look at? Um, so, so obviously return, your, your return rates would be, um, you know, number of returns out of, you know, number of orders on a quarterly basis, as you alluded to. Um, are there any other signals, any other, you know, metrics in the returns space that we, we, we should, you know, um, keep an eye on? Yeah. So 
once you have, and this is why it's important to bring up first, however simple it is, once you have your return rate, you have a view into all of your products that are coming back. And that's just one layer to the story. You now see, if you're an apparel brand, you're likely seeing that you have this segment of your business and it's likely anywhere from 20 to 40% of all of your revenue is moving through this new channel. And that would be defined by your return rate. And when you look at it that way, it becomes a much different story. It's not just your refunds channel. What you actually need to do is break out your return rate into multiple metrics. So to give you uh, the easiest example and the easiest first step that you could take with your return rate is to break out a refund rate. It's going to be a little bit challenging, but what you're trying to find is of all of my returns, how many were actually just trying to walk away. Some brands, most brands that don't have... Um, either a data team supporting this or a solution that's tracking it for them, they'll likely see that all of the returns are refunds, but that's the most important thing to break down first. That's actually not true. I have questions. Um, sure. So stepping back to the return rate, mm-hmm. benchmarks, what kind of benchmarks do we do best in class have from a return rate standpoint? Ten percent. I know it varies from, from, um, from vertical to vertical, but let's let's talk about apparel and footwear, for instance. Sure. Um, what 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 are best in class um, return rates? Apparel and footwear brands are trying to break below twenty percent. That's the best in class target. Monthly or quarterly? Yeah, um, of any time period of all okay. revenue you're bringing in, how much is being returned? If 20%. you can get below twenty percent, you are okay. in the best in class territory. And refund refund rate. Refund rate. Now, this this word gets interesting. So, the average refund rate, if you think of a percentage of all of your returns that should be asking for their money back, the industry average is right around eighty percent. So, eighty percent of all of your returns are people that just want their money back. Now, that's in this pre era where you really don't have any. Yeah, and and that's that's actually where you can focus your time because the more of those customers that you've already paid to acquire on Instagram, you've already converted them on your website. You've spent a lot of money getting them to this point. And now you've got a bucket of them who are making a decision. Do I stay or do I go? Um, and that's the place to focus time. Now you need these metrics to understand if anything you're doing is working to improve it. But um, yeah, when you have 80% of all your returns being refunded, that's where the battle is won. And, and is, is there any way to study um, returning purchase rate from that cohort of returns? Yes, actually, that's, this is the best first step for someone trying to get down this path. Pull all of your return rate, which is great. It may be 100% refunds. That's fine. Yeah. But then look at the repurchase rate. And we'd recommend within 60 days. 60 days. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, that's a good. You know, everyone uses a 30-day window to say this is what my returns window is. But yeah. um, it, there's really no basis there. I think it's just a herd mentality. Yeah. Uh, if you look at someone who repurchases within 60 days, they were ready then. You just, you didn't have a way to facilitate it. Mm. So, so I guess that those would be more fundamentals, like business fundamentals to, to benchmark anything around like the, the returning rates over 60 days. It'd be like, you know, your product quality, how you're doing your, your marketing in general, right. your email flows and, and the like. Okay. So um, there's obviously a problem, um, massive leakage. If 80% of all returns, um, you know, end up um, you giving back, you know, your money, um, you're giving them back their money. Um, it, I guess that is where you guys saw the problem. And, and so with, with loop, what, you know, what, what are we looking at? How we, how much of that 80% do you, do you get back? 
So this this is where uh, verticals is very important and also the design of your store. So, you know, I'll give you a generalized apparel um, example, but it's really important to think of who you are as a brand, what products you're selling and how big your catalog is. So if, for example, you sell bras, we see this often where we have a new startup coming out with a line of bras and they have really three main fits and a number of different sizes. There's not as much shopping happening there as if you were a women's apparel company launching with dresses and pants and shirts. So there's opportunity um, in different areas, depending on your vertical. But what I'll say when looking at refund rate and ways to improve it, the average is 80% and brands will come to us and say, how do I bring this number down? Or now that I have visibility into it, how do I bring this number down? There are a number of tactics. I will tell you just to lead off with the most important, it's incentives. Um, incentives are a word that just doesn't make it into the post-purchase or retention experience often enough. Um, most people are actually thinking of fees when they're talking about retention. How do I recoup some of this cost that's happening while I'm trying to facilitate a package going cross country? But when you go in with incentives, what you're saying is I'm investing in a relationship. So let me, let me share with you what this means. I'm returning a hundred dollar pair of jeans. They don't fit for me. And honestly, I don't even think I like the wash. I'm on the way to a refund. Now with Loop, you can enable this, but there are ways to do it without Loop, just being totally transparent. Whereas I'm on my path to a refund, I get offered 10% off if I choose to go back to the store or a 10% discount code if I ask the customer service team for store credit. Those type of hooks are reinvestment in the customer. And that's what starts to drastically bring down your refund rate. But sometimes you might be so pissed off with the with the product that you, the last thing you want is, you know, is a discount. But on the, on the flip side, if you're super excited about the, the product and it happened to be the wrong size or the wrong color, you, you just can't wait to return it, probably get your money back and purchase the, the right thing, you know, the right fit. And if you're incentivized, I guess you, you'd be happy. You'd be a happier customer. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And actually, so you called out a good point at the beginning when you, when you got something that you really wanted and it doesn't work for you, you're pissed off. I think the, I think there's some cases where that's true, but I think the more important emotion that our brands are tapping into is disappointment. Mm. You aren't necessarily pissed. I mean, it's not like you're taking it personally, but you're just Mm. disappointed. You were waiting for two or three days for this to show up. You were excited. It gets here and you're like, damn, it just doesn't work for me. That's the first emotion that shows up in this process. And now if you then follow it up with a returns process that is equally as disappointing, it's likely more disappointing. That's when you have problems. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're focusing on this disappointment and then we're trying to delight them. And it's really a surprise. You come in and you think returns are going to suck. You think they're going to be expensive. You think they're going to be hard to complete because you're, and you're disappointed. You come into a process where instead you're offered an alternative. We tell you we're sorry. We know things don't work out. Our products aren't a great fit for everybody. But if you want to come back, here's 10% off. Or give them the discount code again. The funniest behavior that we see are brands that offer 15% off your very first purchase and then give them nothing if they want to return. All you're doing is wasting a discount and then paying again for all of these costs to ship and to process. This is a lot. Yeah. Go ahead. Please. It just sounds like a lot of customer service, uh, you know, overhead, you know, um, obviously it's, it's a given in terms of like what you need to do from a customer service standpoint, but um, yeah, it, it sounds like, so it sounds like a, do, do you agree or? It is. Um, 
And it, it is. It's investing in relationships is tough. And honestly, I think the best way that we've been able to make sense of this is to really bring in dating parallels. When you're building a relationship with someone, it does take work and you've got bumps in the road and you need to keep reinvesting. To your point, to do that at scale with you know, a multi-million dollar brand is very expensive. You need to automate as often as possible. Exactly. Um, and the metrics will give you visibility on what you need to automate first. Um, but yes, you do need to automate. And, and there are a number of solutions out there that can help you do this, but um, it's a really important call out. So my, my thoughts are that, you know, um, Loop helps automate a lot of this. So I would get into an interface. I put in, I guess, an order number and maybe my email address or my something, a unique identifier. Sure. Um, then you're able to pull out my order first things first. Um, and then there's like a, a journey and like a wizard, like a whizzy thing where it's almost like a survey and you ask me questions. And um, so it's automated. I interact with a system essentially to, to manage my returns with the goal from your end um, being that I probably exchange um, like for like um, for, for, for product. Is that, is that the scenario there or? You use, that, that, that about sums it up. I think a great simplification of the process. You need a way to identify the customer in an automated fashion. Email um, is a great one. Order number, zip code. All of these are unique identifiers that you can use to say, okay, I know who you are. I know what you bought. Let's get started. And, and then you need to view an order. Um, in the software, you pick a product you'd like to return and then you choose an outcome. It's really that simple. Pick a product, pick a reason, pick an outcome. Um, the outcomes can change. You know, you have size exchanges, shopping on the catalog, on the store, um, taking store credit, taking a refund. But just present these options to the customer, let them self-navigate, and you have visibility to all the data. Okay. Okay. And I think my, the biggest win I, I've, I've got from this is the fact that anything that then gets to the customer service in regards to returns is likely going to be very serious. Yes. And you'd want it that way. There are certain scenarios that need to be high touch. So it's a first line of defense for your customer service team. That's right. In regards to returns. Yeah. And think about damages. I, yeah. I received a product that had a rip right through the center. You'd want to send that to a human. We're not here to automate all humans. Humans then need to pick up and build the relationship. So, so, so does Loop pick up on like damage? So, so the moment you, 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 you select one of the, the options there and it's severe, and you know this would not warrant a an exchange. The person is, is not not pleased <laughs> to say it lightly. Um, does that just stop it on the tracks on its tracks, and then just um, you know put a human, um, the human to human um, contact? What, what happens there? So you would think that as a software company, you'd want that to happen. Give us as many customers incoming to loop as we possibly can, because that benefits our business and all of this. But um, it's actually not the best experience for the customer. If I come in to what I believe is an automated system, and if I frequent Shopify, I've likely seen loop before. So the moment I log in, I know what's coming. I log in and I get started on this process and I hit a wall. Um, we don't want walls. Uh, and that's really a key piece of any retention program is expectation setting. 
as long as you're setting expectations before any process begins, if you know that your clothes run small, just let them know that they run small. If you try to trick me, I'll bite you because I'm going to return it and it's going to bog you down. Lose, lose. Yeah. Retention program is expectation setting. So, and it starts at the top, but to your point, you're coming into now a returns process and you're starting at the policy page. When we work with, and I'll give you a great example of who has done this the best, Brooklyn brooklinen.com, their returns and exchanges, uh, excuse me, their returns policy page is, is one of the best and it sets expectations. They're a bedding um, brand for those who don't know Brooklyn. Beautiful bedding brand. Um, you get to their policy page and the first thing you notice is it's about two paragraphs long. Okay. There's no legal jargon and it's very basic. You have this amount of time, it's going to cost you this and here's an expectation on how long it's going to take to get approved. Then you have four buttons. It's like a choose your own adventure return policy page. The first is I want to exchange that takes you to loop. The next is I want to refund also takes you to loop, but the illusion of choice. Then you receive the damaged product that takes you straight to the customer service team. Okay. If you're an international customer straight to the customer service team. Okay. You may end up in loop, but it's really important that your first touch is a human as early as possible. Okay. So you're essentially bridging that connection as early as possible. So it's escalated and they get the most important, um, uh, important issues, queries coming through important tickets, essentially coming through. Okay. That makes, that makes a, a ton of sense. It makes a ton of sense. Okay. Um, so in, in the world of returns, um, what are your predictions, you know, in the next 12 months, um, how's, how's it going to change? What, what's in the pipeline? Um, at new? So there's a lot changing right now. I think my predictions have changed. Our company's predictions have changed given COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there was already interesting behavior happening before COVID. Um, and I'll give you an example in a very specific vertical. Um, swimwear had a, an influencer problem. Swimwear brands more than any other brand were more likely to buy multiple of, of swimsuits try them all on, potentially take a photo. I'm not exactly sure what's happening, but brands believe they're buying them, taking photos and returning them. So there's this wardrobing of a new kind. It's not like you're buying smalls, mediums, larges, and attempting to find what fits. You're buying it to try it on, to post the pictures and, and get some social currency. And, um, you know, that's just a strange behavior that's always been in the back of my mind that in this world of living more online and, and digitally and leaving the house less, um, how does shopping change? And so, uh, you know, I don't know if that'd be, that'd be a very hot take to say that that's going to be behavior that changes in the next year, but, um, home try-ons are going to be, continue to be huge. Um, mm-hmm. is there a, an, you know, and this is, this is where the finance team needs to jump in. How do we build a model that makes sense to ship a certain amount of product up front so that someone can find their size and then let them not bog down our supply chain as much moving forward? as opposed to letting this kind of transient exchanging process continue all throughout the customer's life cycle. A really simple example in jewelry is ring sizers. Instead of just buying a ring and shipping it to you and shipping it back, I'll ship you a ring sizer first. How can you translate that to other verticals? Uh, Warby Parker does it well as well. I think home try-on will be big. Um, retail stores you know, are gonna have a hard time or at least have a recovery period. The impact, as you said, is the impact on finance. That's a major problem. You know, the overheads of taking things out and in um, as an acquisition, that, that, that has to be factored into CAC, I think. Cost. That's right. Yeah. 
and you need to keep it as low as possible. You need to cut costs. You need to identify all of the areas of cost first in the returns and post-purchase environment and then begin cutting costs. Um, you know, there are two, the two main sources of lost costs in any returns or retention program is refunds and shipping fees. What are your thoughts on free returns? Um, does, is it, is it, uh, is it now a given or um, are the exceptions? Do you see any exceptions on free returns? Yeah, I do. Um, this is the, the, the hottest debate <laughs> inside our company. Um, Cause that, that's friction, you know, essentially for, for the swimwear stuff. Uh, I mean, it's disgusting, you know, trying on a swimwear that's going to be used by somebody else, you know, uh, I, I don't know about you, but it's always like wearing underwear. It's, it's crazy. Yes, that's right. And you can't, you can't allow it to happen and run. You, you should, I, I, I don't even think they should be allowed to be returned. You buy swimwear unless if th- that's the unless they're going to exploit that's unless if, <laughs> But it shouldn't really be. It's it's almost like buying, you know, earrings. You, you don't return mm-hmm. earrings. You you buy them. You can't return them. There's the the hygiene issues there. But um, yeah. but but back to my question in regards to um, free returns. Um, should, yeah. should we have free returns or? So, in a world where all you offer are refunds, this becomes a really tricky problem for you, because you're trying to drive acquisition and retention. Your only outcome in the returns flow is a refund, and you're also trying to recoup costs. So you've pigeonholed me as a customer, which uh, you can ask anyone if they enjoy having no options. The answer is no, and especially no options that cost me money. And so that's the first challenge. If you're only offering refunds during your return and you're trying to recoup the cost of shipping, you're going to have a retention problem. You're going to have an acquisition problem. Because I'm going to read my policy before I buy. There's data out there and it varies, but generally speaking, 50 to 60, depending on the report you read, 50 to 60% of customers are checking your policy before they buy. It's insane. And that's a really important metric too to dig into. How many are actually doing that on your site? Because now it's a marketing asset, not to mention a retention asset. So, So to your point, free shipping. The best case scenario is you have your refund, which you must offer. You need to give someone an opportunity to get their money back. You need an alternative. The refund, in best case scenario, has a shipping fee, and the alternative is free. Whether it be a store credit, an exchange, um, you've made a commitment to me as a brand by buying. You like the product generally because you converted. Continue doing that, and I will fund you all along the way. If at any point you want your money back, we will take a $6 shipping fee. But it's choice. Yeah. Yeah, and you just refund, it'll be a partial refund. And um, if you can give free return slips, but um, it could be a partial refund. They don't get their money back, their full money back. That's right. And, and this is a fun story because we talk, that, uh, there have been calls in the past where we jump on with a brand and they have all the intentions in the world of seeing a demo and understanding how it works and digging into the process. But we get on this question and we derail the entire call. It is so divisive. Um, it really is. And, and, you know, for us, when we sell returns, it becomes sport. But um, yeah, it's so divisive. And so where this goes, you have um, two strategies. And let's say you have the finance guy who is trying to recoup the cost of shipping. And you have a customer experience manager who's trying to drive retention and drive customer relationships. Where it gets fun is actually pulling in your conversion rate metric into, the, into this retention story. Because what you need to validate is one, which shipping fee policy 
leads to more or less refunds. And that, you know, if you offer a shipping fee on refunds, you'll likely have more store credits, but are you pissing customers off? And that's where the conversion rate comes in. So would that be through an AB split test? Um, that'd be a great way to do it. If you are sophisticated enough to AB test, absolutely. Because what you're trying to find out is based on the assumption that two thirds or 50% of my customers are checking my return policy before they buy. And I'm trying to weave in a shipping fee. What's the impact on conversion? Because what you may find is that offering free returns lifts your conversion to half a percent. And if you're, you know, and if you have uh, high AOV or just high volume, your lift on conversion may outweigh the cost that you're losing in shipping. And that's where the battle's won. Um, and at that point, your head's spinning like, okay, I need to get this data. Where do I find this data? And it, it's a long road. But um, predictions for the future brands that do this well are the ones that will have higher LTV. And, and that's ultimate. Yeah, you've, you've raised a very interesting question in regards to, to how to filter out data. You know, so my thoughts just off the top of my head would be in analytics, you create a segment, you filter, you know, all, um, all conversions that have occurred that have visited that particular page. And then you, you make sure that they're the first time purchases. Um, you could mm -hmm. probably do that also in Shopify um, by an API, I guess, API call. And you'd be able to get, um, you know, that unique conversion rate for that cohort. Yeah. And then for the AB split test, um, would you say over a 60 day cohort or a quarter? <laughs> so vertical, vertical always matters here yeah. because there's seasonality throughout the year. Um, if you're in a low season, you know, a lull swimwear in winter, you know, you might have a safer environment to test and do it longer. Um, so it really depends on what, what season you're in throughout the year. Um, yeah. And, and then and, you can yeah. run surveys too, you know, um, you can run surveys at the return. And then, yeah, the other thing you, you pointed out earlier was, um, to, to look at your return cohort, the entire, just look at that, those group of people returned and then, then just look at the repurchase rate. That, that right. is a very healthy metric. I haven't even, you know, um, considered it's, uh, Man, so, you know, the, the saying hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. everyone says this as if it's this like elusive thing that you can never attain. And if only you knew what you know now back then, things could be improved. Yeah. Um, that, that's all of your retention metrics, yeah. your return rate, your return reasons data, how often people are refunding. Like that's actually the view into the health of your business. Yeah. And, and, and a really important, you know, statement, we use this as like a tagline and loop, but, um, it's not what people buy, it's what people keep. And, and when you look at it that way, you actually have a completely different view on your business and how you should operate. Yeah. Because if you're only chasing acquisition, you have a revolving door on the backside that, that, that's actually hurting you. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty mature thing to just look at acquisitions really and yeah, I'll just get caught up in that. Okay, all right. Yeah, great conversation, great conversation. Um, Joe, um, for people who want to find out more about um, Loop Returns, um, wh where do they do they go? There's the, your website is loopreturns.com. Um, do you have any special? What what's your price point? And do you have any special offers for for listeners to the Two X Ecommerce Podcast? We do. Um, we have a program called Loop Light, and what Loop Light is is a free, low barrier entry way to just experience what Loop could do, and, and honestly, what returns platforms could do. You may not be a good fit for Loop, and that's fine. But it's really important to see what's out there. 
Um, so yeah, anybody listening, please check out loopreturns.com and sign up for Loop Light. It's free uh, through the end of Q3. And um, it'll at least give you a taste of what's possible. And from there, you can start shopping. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a pleasure and very insightful learning more about, you know, returns and retention metrics within returns. Thanks for having me, Kunli. This was great. Really appreciate Cheers. the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind just search for 2x e-commerce on facebook to find it answer three questions and you'll be approved grab the show notes of this episode on our website 2xecommerce.com finally if you haven't already give the show a review on your podcasting app catch you on the next show and keep growing